Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom. And thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. We are uh, really starting to get acclimated and used to this virtual uh, studio environment. And uh, I am excited that we continue to be able to share great stories here uh, in Southern California. And uh, I'm really excited to welcome Dean Klein here today. Um, Before I do, let me tell you uh, a little bit about Dean. And I think we're going to have a great conversation over the next little while. So Dean is currently the co-founder and senior managing director of a newer group uh, launched at USC called Rossier Adventures. And it's an education ecosystem, uh, including doing some early investment in startups uh, in the ed tech world. So we'll talk a fair bit about that today. He's also the co-founder and managing director of Penn Venture Partners, which is a VC fund primarily looking at early stage tech companies in sectors like business services, also ed tech, life sciences, media, especially manufacturing and workplace learning. He's been a venture investor for over 20 years and has had a number of really successful outcomes like IPOs and many other public company acquisitions among his many investments. Prior to that, he was an executive of an organization that was setting up children's hospitals in developing countries. He also was the assistant to executive director at the World Bank, which was focusing on project quality, education, and health sector policy in Africa and Asia. And he began his career at the U.S. Treasury Department as an international economist. So he's really spanned business and uh, international uh, NGOs. He's worked in the U.S. government. And so I think he really has a unique perspective, particularly as we think about education and the number of different constituents that, that fit in there. And so he's been a lecturer at several colleges. He's written extensively, um, has also set up a number of entities that have worked to promote innovation and entrepreneurship. And I had the pleasure of meeting Dean last year, shortly after he relocated here, from the East Coast. And he's been spending a fair bit of time, even though he's LA based, spending a fair bit of time in Orange County. And I know he's found some interesting education technology or, or what's also known as ed tech startups down here. So we wanted to talk about some of that today. Dean, it's really great to have you on Accelerate OC this morning. Hey, thank you, Kerry. Yes. So let's get to the starting line and let's let's talk about you know somewhat the pressing news of the day Clearly, like almost every area of life, the education system has been disrupted in a big way because of COVID-19. My wife is a kindergarten teacher. I have three kids at home that are doing online learning in different variations right now. What are you hearing from your colleagues out there? As I explained, you know, you touch many different facets that all have a stake in education. Yeah, so I think... You know, we've had the ability to do virtual education and training, and that's been around a long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's mostly, I think, been limited to higher ed and tutoring and learning gamification skills training. 
So in those areas, I think we've seen a steady improvement in, in quality and, and breadth. However, you know, there's a significant gap in access to devices and connectivity in particular for lower income households. And so I think by definition, that hasn't been a priority. So I, I you know, I, I'm concerned that this will already worsen the socioeconomic problem that we that we have, particularly in, in education. Um, I think we pretty well understand the building blocks um, of learning and, and, and that comes first, but I think technology can be an enabler for teachers and for students to in, improve outcomes. I mean, I, I think, you know, going forward, we all need the ability to, uh, um, to understand technology and to, and to uh, thoughtfully utilize it. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. You, so you think right now the disruption is, is going to worsen the divide. Uh, yeah, no, I, my, yeah, I guess my, my sense is, you know, one of the great benefits of technology is the scalability and in some cases the ability to dramatically reduce costs. So do you, do you see a path over time where access uh, actually is greatly improved? Because oh, I, do. I mean, you think of, you know, yeah. as I think about things like, you know, obviously there are pockets where we have big homeless populations and that this stands to potentially worsen some of that. But I think that the sort of single most ubiquitous device now is a mobile phone yes. and, um, you know, very likely a smartphone. So that in that respect, it seems like connectivity um, is getting better or easier that, that could improve access. No, I, I, I agree in, in, in that respect, Terry. I think it's, it is sort of a great enabler and, and can be a, uh, an equalizer. Um, and, you know, most of us have, have smartphones at this point, but um, we still don't have, I think, the situation where a lot of lower income uh, kids, parents, whatever, have access to, I mean, to those kind of devices and, mm -hmm. and, and the connectivity that's, that's needed to take advantage of it. I and mean, I think the good thing is it's not, I don't think that's particularly difficult to do. And so now we're sort of being forced to, to do that or, you know, in some cases, you know, prodded. But um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see it being, it, it, depending on the, let's take K through 12, depending on the school, I don't necessarily think it's essential uh, as a um, equalizer sort of in the, in the classroom um, because it's, you know, it's hard enough you know, mm -hmm. for a teacher just to control a classroom. Sure. Uh, but um, certainly, you know, with respect to supplemental learning and education, you can go home and, you know, do it in the quiet, mm -hmm. hopefully, if you have a quiet spot, you know, place there. But, you know, again, you got to have access to devices. If it's, sure. you know, one phone in a family or whatever, or a couple, and mm -hmm. there are five of you, that's, you know, that gets tough. Mm -hmm. And then the and then the issue is too, you know, are, are the teachers trained to do it, and you know, do we have the sort of content that uh, that we can, you know, thoughtfully utilize? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely more to talk about uh, there. So, 
have you seen, given this environment, uh, I think there's there's sort of two competing worlds out here. We've got uh, companies that are in existence that are, in some cases, radically pivoting to try to survive. And then there's another school that says, hey, there are new opportunities on the horizon like never before. Yeah. So I'm going to focus on the second one. Are you seeing any new companies sort of birth um, in just the last couple months uh, in response to this that are saying, we, we see a new opportunity. We, we uh, believe in a new normal, new reality on the other side. We want to be early to market. Yeah, I don't, I don't kind of, you know, within the last couple months, no. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what I think we have been seeing, though, are a growing number of ed tech entrepreneurs that, that have more experience in the education system, mm -hmm. as opposed to entrepreneurs who are more technologists than, mm -hmm. than educators. So I, I think that's positive, and this sort of can help them with respect to whatever they're considering or have I probably started with respect to uh, an early stage company. You know, it kind of mm -hmm. helps them to uh, think that through. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we've been working with a lot of our cohort companies on that. But you know, but but frankly, mo most of them have been doing it uh, because that's a focus of ours. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have a program itself which is almost entirely, almost entirely virtual. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I, I just see it kind of as accelerating, uh, the situation. Mm -hmm. So at, at any changes you're seeing, I mean, you're obviously involved at USC, you know, you said a lot of the program is virtual, but I know you spend a fair bit of time on the campus as well. Any changes you're seeing at USC that could be a, a proxy or an indicator for other universities around the country? No, it's it, you know it's interesting. There, the the graduate level programs have been largely on, uh, I mean, conducted or at least some portion of them online. Mm -hmm. and that's been encouraged for a long time, and maybe it's the School of Education's. I don't know. Been doing it for like twenty years. Mm -hmm. uh, and the School of Education, uh, sorry, the School of Engineering's been doing it for that long. The School of Education also for for quite some time. On the undergraduate level, that's that's not been mm -hmm. um, encouraged. Um, you know, that's another conversation, um, which I, I suppose makes sense for that school. But they they made a pretty quick pivot um, with respect to that. But you know, we we have um, sort of USC as our affiliation, and it's our our starting point. But it's not. You know, we we hope to. Um, I mean, we focus on Southern California as a whole, mm -hmm. and um, and frankly, too, you know, with we have eighteen cohort companies um, uh, this year, and you know, it covers something like five continents. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 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 really the only way to to, to operate. Um, and I, I should say that you know, Ed Ventures comes in in part as a response to something we've been experiencing over the last couple decades. So that's kind of how long this has been, this has been going on in, mm -hmm. in, in my view. Um, okay. and it's a, and it's a response to what we saw as something that was kind of increasingly anachronistic. So 
for instance, you have programs that continue to require, so acceleration incubator programs that mm -hmm. continue to require education entrepreneurs to sit in what's basically a classroom for several days to learn and um, and they've been largely lose, uh, using a curriculum that's um, it's not much different than if you were a business accelerator for, say, material science or mm -hmm. or or agribusiness. You know, at the, at the same time, though, we're seeing learning becoming more blended, if you will, and also sort of more more personalized. So that kind of situation is just not consistent. Mm. Um, so as I mentioned, what we decided to do from the beginning was to go almost entirely, um, almost entirely virtual. Mm -hmm. And um, the only thing that we do live uh, are two pitch events, one at um, USC Demo Day, which is put on by the students, kind of a big event. Mm -hmm. um, and the other, there's a gathering of uh, education entrepreneurs, investors, practitioners, uh, that happens to take place in San Diego every uh, sort of early April. Okay. And we do a pitch event, a live pitch event there. Okay. And so that was to be two weeks ago. And so we just merely turned that into a, a virtual pitch mm -hmm. event. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's difficult to get all those folks into one place unless mm -hmm. you have a, you know, a large mm -hmm. gathering, mm -hmm. uh, physical gathering, like I mentioned, but it's a heck of a lot easier when you're doing it virtually. Yes. Um, and so, um, you know, that, and they, they don't have the hassle of traveling. And, and How did it go? Yeah. I, I, I thought it went, it went really well. I think the only, you know, especially with return with respect to the folks sort of we had in the audience, we're very pleased with that. Our, um, the founders in our program are already used to, um, you know, doing things online and mm -hmm. and typically when we have workshops every week and we have a guest we have them do a little pitch anyway so it's it it, it wasn't um a significant difference for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think we're, what we have to figure out is particularly when you have say 13 companies pitching and you you know you want to do it at a reasonable period of time keep people's mm -hmm. attention that requires it to be pretty pretty rapid fire Yes, and um, I'd say that's something we we kind of have to we kind of have to figure out. You know, particularly when you have Q and A and feedback. It's it's funny, people are still more used to asking questions and providing feedback. I think when it's live, and when it's online, you see all these you know different boxes mm -hmm. of folks mm -hmm. and all that. People are a bit more reticent, mm -hmm. um, but I think once we become more comfortable with that, but you know I. I was pretty pleased with it. That's great. Well, that, that uh, sort of leads into my next question. So obviously a pitch event typically is about uh, validation, awareness, and ultimately investment. So how are you thinking about investment in this environment from your venture fund and the, the uh, cohort of companies, as, as you mentioned, and, and did you get much of a sense from the investors that were part of that recent pitch event to give you an indication of how how you feel like the world is 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 feeling right now yeah um so you know i'm kind of a recovering bc myself um and and we did get some feedback from them um and my guess is most of them you know at, at the core 
if you're a, a venture investor, you, you regard something, a situation like this as an opportunity, as, mm -hmm. as odd as it is to think mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, at the same time, though, given this situation, you have to have, as an investor, I think, sort of look at your portfolio existing and and companies you think you might bring it bring on and and sort of recalibrate that mm -hmm. um you know with respect to you know what their prognosis is and and um you know where you see their revenue headed you know what's happening to their audience and so on mm -hmm. um and, but it also gives you i think as an investor uh, a nice look into how robust to these products and services are in in an environment like this, which is 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 unique, sort of as a pandemic. But you know, I see this kind of environment. Any you know, once this is over, this this is uh, much much of this is a future anyway. For I I I think for learning. Hmm. Um, however, though, if I if a if a fund has has not sort of banked much of the commitments they they get from their limited partners um my guess is those limited partners because they're dealing with a situation of of uncertainty they will probably put some pressure on the um on on the venture investors to to slow things down mm -hmm. uh whereas the others if you if you know if you back the those commitments then um, uh, as long as your LPs aren't asking you to slow down, then, you know, you can probably uh, be even more active than you, you know, otherwise than, might. Yeah. Yeah, than you suppose, right? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go a little bit deeper. I know uh, I mentioned, you know, we, we really met, uh, as you've been spending more time down here, looking at uh, EdTech Ventures here in Orange County, where we, have crossed paths a, a couple times. As you think about, you know, you, you, you talked to, uh, you know, around some different elements of, of education, given the environment we're in, do you have kind of a general framework that you use as you think about education across the spectrum from, you know, you mentioned K through 12, um, we've got higher ed, we've got workplace learning, uh, it, do you have a sort of a core framework that you use as you think about uh, looking at opportunities or, or this cohort of companies or uh, investment? Yeah, so we, I mean, we we operate a bit differently. So our thesis, um, as I said, we've been something we've been doing and thinking about for like mm -hmm. for a couple decades um, with respect to to education. So I, I mean, I'm mainly concerned. And so are my my colleagues about equitable access to quality education, and not so much a return on investment. Um, but working out of venture capital, uh, that alignment's just it, it's not there. Uh, it, it in my view, it's a large part of the reason that technology's not had a profound and kind of virtuous impact on mm. equitable access. Mm. Um, not just in education, in other areas as well. Yeah, but particularly, I, I think in sort of, uh, we'll call it like a public good, like mm -hmm. like education. And um, so, you know, as you you know, you've probably seen a lot of the data. You know, the the, the founders of 
of companies addressing these issues have been a pretty homogeneous group. <laughs> and and I, I've come to the view that they, they cannot truly understand the, um, the problems. Mm. So as such, we, we think we need to encourage entrepreneurs who make up most of the practitioners and students who suffer from, uh, who kind of suffer from these inequities and uh, I think have the most to gain by addressing them. So that means women and, and, and people of mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. But um, they receive such a dismal portion of, of, of venture capital funding from, frankly, from people who look, you know, like me. So we have to engage those sort of ed tech founders who are women and people of color and it, they expose them to the same advantages that other entrepreneurs have. And actually, it's 98% of the of the 18 companies we have in this cohort um, has such founders. That's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of kind of funny to think of, but we have two companies that have solo, uh, kind of solely have uh, Anglo founders. One of them's in Estonia, the other's in Cape Town. That's uh, so, yeah. That's very, very, very cool. I mean, is is it unique in your mind? Is that unique to education where you feel like they can just empathize with some of these customer segments that you're trying to address in a more real and, and meaningful way? I mean, one of the things I thought you, you mentioned earlier that I thought was interesting is you said you're seeing more uh, ed tech companies that have people with extensive experience in education. Is that by your design where you're helping marry those together? Or what, what is it that you think is, is driving that? And part of the reason I ask that is because, you know, our, I'm sitting in our venture studio today and a core part of that thesis is about bringing the right kind of expertise to a company in the earliest stages. And that could be in a co-founder sort of scenario or it could be in just a key hands-on type of, of uh, person and we've got, you know, we brought a tremendous amount of expertise into our studio, not to be advisors per se, but to really dig in because we're a believer that you solve the biggest problems with the best teams. And I'm sure as you think about education, you probably think about it that way, but I'm just curious how, you, how you're seeing, you know, what you perceive to be more capable teams coming together. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, we. I mean, we have our limitations, right? So we, we have to sort of bring folks in and in virtual workshops and that, and then have the entrepreneurs follow up. But you know, what what you provide is is essential, particularly for entrepreneurs like that, because they just don't, they, they don't typically have access to that sort of. Uh, those sorts of resources and 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 people. So it's it's crucial to, to get them together. Um, and um, I think that's one thing that's, from what I can tell in, in Orange County, you have a group of folks like you and, and others who are very committed to that. And um, it's um, uh, you know, highly important if you're going to build that, that ecosystem. But yeah, I think you do want to marry those folks. And I, you know, from, from our perspective, we we encourage uh, entrepreneurs like that and and look for entrepreneurs like that who have that sort of 
more experience in sort of the pedagogy than they do in the in the technology. So, um, you know, at the same time, so we're looking for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, for whatever reason, um, I I think they're more of the kind of uh, group of entrepreneurs that are out there and and willing to roll up their sleeves and and do this. And it, you know, it, it could very well be because it just hasn't happened to any. You know, we we haven't solved a lot of these problems with mm-hmm. respect to. Um, uh, using ed, using technology to, to scale in education, you know, for those I think who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one one of the things I I love that you mentioned was this idea of um, really trying to create opportunity and advantage for these entrepreneurs. That's been a big part of uh, a lot of the conversations I've had uh, on this show. Has been how do we think differently about entrepreneurs? Um, particularly as as we um, think about the need to create more jobs for a broader group of people that are good jobs. And I think, it, you know, it, it's been easy for us to hear in Orange County and, and I think even in Southern California to, to gloss over things with, oh, we have a low unemployment rate and and other data that can support a point of view, but the reality is we have not been producing the kinds of jobs that allow people to thrive here, that are forward, innovative, um, the kinds of, of multiplier jobs that are happening in other markets around the world in a really meaningful way. And so one of the things that, that I've talked a lot about is this idea of unfair advantage. And so one of the ways we're trying to manifest that here is by bringing world-class talent together who we can align with uh, an entrepreneur who's trying to solve a real critical problem. And uh, yeah, I'll give you one example is a, is a founder that we're pretty far down the path with right now who self-taught. He, he grew up in a place where he didn't have access. Yeah. He self-taught from YouTube and a bunch of other places and became a robotics engineer. Wow. And now his mission is to really try and take that into a platform that he can provide to others. And, and we talk about the idea of, of taking a, an auto mechanic, supplementing those core skills with advanced manufacturing or other uh, skill-based training to really increase the opportunity that that person might have. And so uh, I, I think you know unfair advantage there is getting them access to the talent to help them build their business better, faster, getting them access to customers. Uh, obviously, capital is a piece of that. But as you think about the ed tech space, you know, how, how have you been really using your platform to I mean, get, getting 98% of your cohort from you know, a, a diverse group like you have is amazing. But are there other things that you're, you're really thinking about or that you feel like the community could, could help with to create more of that uh, unfair advantage? I just don't know that we we celebrate entrepreneurs uh, and support them in in the way that that we need to. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, so, like for instance, but, uh, I I've been spending more and more time in Orange County, and and one of the reasons is that so we've had two cohorts, and in those two co- cohorts, we've had. Uh, I think like 
five, five, six companies um, that are headquartered in Orange County. Okay. And, and um, yeah, I think six, six and, and four of those are, are led by women. Yeah. Um, so that itself is interesting. I can't tell if, if that's a one-time sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And we've, we found, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, pretty much all the, uh, ed tech mm-hmm. entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that, um, um, that are out there, but I, I, I don't believe that that's, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, these conversations spur more of it. I, I think we have a, a new surge coming yeah. for sure. I, I do too, and I, I, I think it's sort of a virtuous uh, cycle. So the thing to do is, as I said, you know, we we um, you know we we do what we can, and and um, you know we run this, you know, we we run it like a like a startup ourselves. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty lean. Mm-hmm. But the idea then would be to get those folks into situations like you have, to kind of pick things up from mm-hmm. there on, um, and. If you can do that uh, in kind of their home base, um, then I, I think that's that's incredibly valuable. I mean, uh-huh. you, you know, you, you can do it uh, virtually, but at a certain uh-huh. point, uh, you know, again, I think this kind of personal interactions with sure. with with folks that you have sort of in your in your stable are are key, and then that uh, that encourages others to do the same. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's you know it's it's very lonely, sure, uh, absolutely, and and it's become even more so you know in a situation in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. So no, I think um, what's happening in Orange County is 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 very um, uh, it, encouraging, and it's and it's much less fragmented than uh, than you'd see in Los Angeles County, which is just. Yeah, as you know, so mm-hmm. uh, so big in, in in many ways, and and um, you know, particularly when it comes to K through twelve, it's tough to get your arms around it. Sure, yeah, that that is for sure, and and certainly some yeah, some great things happening like uh, on the education side through groups like CEO Leadership Alliance and oh, yeah. things I know you're you're also involved with. So one one thing I am I'm curious, you know, we we sort of touched around it. I just mentioned it with one of the the companies that we're involved with, but this idea of, I'll call it skill-based learning versus uh, critical thinking or more liberal arts Mm -hmm. type of education. And uh, it's almost religious, I think, in some respects, how people tend to think about this. And uh, I probably have a little bit of hybrid of both as I think about my own life. And as, as you're thinking about philosophically things like access, um, how how are you thinking about sort of that? Hey, let's let's equip people with the skills because there's a lot of evidence saying we're not creating the right kinds of skilled workers for the needs of the world, and that you know in some cases critical thinking skills aren't aren't going to lead to, to direct skills. So uh, I'm just curious how how you think about those two areas. Yeah, um, so I, I come from a decidedly liberal arts uh, mm-hmm. background. Um, so I realize the advantages of that and and also the shortcomings when it comes to innovation. Um, so it won't surprise you to learn that I, you know, kind of like you, I, I, I think we need both. 
Um, so if a person doesn't have the that background, um, so let's say if you're if you're more of a liberal arts background and you don't have and you don't have a, kind of a, a skills based learning background, well then what we look to do is partner them with someone who's been trained in skills based side, and or I mean you can do your best to to help that entrepreneur uh, get that get that understanding. But the way we approach it is we try to incorporate engineering thinking into adventures. So one of my two colleagues is, is actually dual faculty at the School of Engineering and the School of Education, mm. which in and of itself, I, I don't know of any place else that that exists. Mm -hmm. And is uh, you know, he's a Carnegie Mellon grad, and, and so I've, I've learned so much from him and, and so the entrepreneurs. But I think you have to be very, very intentional about balancing that about balancing that out. Mm -hmm. So to, to, to take that a step further, you, you talked about how you found a number of really compelling early entrepreneurs down here in Orange County. Do you see Orange County as uniquely equipped to be uh, an innovator on an ongoing basis in areas of education? And if so, like what, what is it about Orange County that you think really makes us a, a potential for that? Yeah, I think you have the. I think you have a really nice balance there of that sort of skills-based learning and and of a more traditional ed education. And there are, uh, you know, at least with respect to to STEM, I, I've just been impressed by how many really um, thoughtful approaches there have been to doing this. So the the one that I know the best is um, is the TGR Foundation. And I, I just think, you know, the STEM program that they have for kids um, who come there and for teachers who are who are um, taught, they sort of have this teach the teacher um, philosophy. And, and um, even with respect to how the kind of structure is organized um, is to me just so path breaking and you, know, you kind of just want to take stuff like that and and make sure you know everyone has access to it. Mm -hmm. And um, there are uh, others of that type in Orange County that um, I, I don't even I don't see that you need to go outside of the county to you know to get those people who are able to do that. It's a matter of scaling it and mm -hmm. you know kind of and kind of implementing it. You know and that's 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 at the K through twelve level. So I think you have. Again, to the extent you can create equitable access to things like that, I think you have the the building blocks. Now, you know when it comes to workforce retraining and mm -hmm. things of that nature, that's that's a little different. But then, you know, higher education, uh, you have some have some terrific schools there, from uh, research universities to you know schools that are you know. Uh, uh, very much liberal arts oriented, but also kind of heavy on entrepreneurship and more focused on engineering and things like that. So yeah, it's a matter of you know keeping those folks there, and it, you know as you mentioned, creating the sort of jobs that would enable them to stay there as opposed to going someplace like like Silicon Valley, uh, sure. you know, which is becoming just increasingly out of reach for a lot of folks just with the with the cost of living.
Mm-hmm. And 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 you can't surf there. Period. That's right. That's or, right. Or it's pretty darn cold. <laughs> so uh, to that, uh, you know, what is it about Southern California that you really appreciate? I mean, as I mentioned, you know, you're you're relatively new here from uh, uh, planting yourself. What what is it that drew you and and really you appreciate about it? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I actually. Um, a good part of my family came here in the early 1920s. So I've always had a, a, had a connection and have been coming here on and off for a good period of time just because I had portfolio companies here. Yeah. Um, and um, so, but I mean, one, of course, the, the climate um, is is mm-hmm. very difficult. To, we got to a nice one brewing today, for sure. <laughs> yeah, what do you know? <laughs> Although it has been, you know, it's been unusually uh, sort of gloomy uh, mm-hmm. lately, but now I can look out and, and, and see it. Um, but also, too, I think there's there's more of a, of an attitude of innovation. You can, I mean, you just see it in, with respect to, I'll just, uh, just take USC and like UCI or whatever as opposed to many of the, you know, kind of older, even universities in the, in the Northeast, uh, which I've operated in. And it's, it's, um, um, it's just this attitude of, of allowing you to innovate yeah. and, um, and encouraging it uh, that I, I think um, it's very difficult to, uh, to kind of recreate this, you already have if, if if you don't have that already you know you have uh, just this you know long history of, of a culture that doesn't that really does not encourage that and it's it's tough to turn that around I, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. but you you know again you you know you have it so personally dean how how do you keep yourself sharp and and you know, kind of innovate yourself because I think it starts. It sort of starts with ourselves, right? I mean, to to see an environment where uh, we we don't get to drive the the level of change. I'm sure you, you know that was part of what drew you out of here. So, how are you? How are you keeping yourself on the the front edge of, of what's happening? Yeah, in this case, I mean, I, I I used to look at things more from a macro perspective, um, you know, whether it's you know, it's in Washington or, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a, as a venture investor. Although then I, you know, I did have uh, kind of forays into, you know, health care and that um, and, and education. Uh, but now I, I try and look at things kind of a, a, a bit more narrowly mm-hmm. with respect to, you know, kind of a focus on education. So within that, I think it's very important to, to continue to, um, uh, utilize resources that are diverse with respect to the you know the type of media you're you're looking at, uh-huh. and then um, with um, with respect to um, kind of the diversity of opinion and 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 what you're reading or you know what you're seeing, um, and uh, and and who you're meeting, and the nice thing too about Southern California is I think with respect to who you're meeting. Um, should you decide to do that, I mean, those those folks are here, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's kind of a, a, a great joy actually to to be able to meet up with people like that and, 
you know, many of them are in Orange County, as you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Final lap here at Accelerate OC, and, and one of the things I always ask my guests is to to share a, a key piece of advice or lesson that they've learned along the way. So as you think about uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that are in my audience, they're thinking about this current environment that we're in, a lot of uncertainty on on what's ahead. What what advice would you have for them? Well, yeah, I think I think now more than ever. Um, you cannot count on outside capital to, to fund your company. So yeah, I, I think you have to be aggressively innovative in how you line up uh, revenue yeah. and and survive, you know, to uh, to continue to thrive or, yeah. or or to grow. I I would highly encourage entrepreneurs to, to do that. Okay, that's I think that's a great great piece of advice, uh, Dean. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your perspective and and thoughts i i think this uh mission that you're on on the education technology world and and helping uh enable many others to solve big problems that continue to exist and and will even continue to present themselves uh is such a worthy cause and i i think is is sort of that penultimate do good, do well uh, opportunity, as I, I know we've talked about. Um, and thanks for helping to to get more startups off the ground here in Southern California. I think that that's important to how we continue to shift the culture here to one that is embracing innovation opportunities. Um, you're you're doing your part to accelerate OC from my perspective. So uh, welcome to the panel. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, I appreciate it, and it's a, it's a pure pleasure from my, my perspective. So it's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 